0: Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with Fred Crawford. How are you, Fred?
1: Real good, Robert. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well and glad to be with you. Fred is the president of one of the most beloved organizations in the world, AFLAC. So let's start off, talk about what the organization AFLAC means to you.
1: AFLAC is very much a pioneering company in the insurance industry and there's very few insurance companies you could make that statement about and what do i mean by pioneering Uh, we are a supplemental health insurance company operating in the united states and japan but more importantly than that we actually created the markets uh, that we currently lead uh, in those two geographies. And so in the US, we were really the company that created uh, the notion of supplemental health insurance sold in the worksite to employees. And by supplemental, meaning our insurance covers whatever your major medical insurance does not cover, copays pays deductibles, other out-of-pocket costs that people go through when they're sick or injured or hospitalized. And there was really no such thing as a supplemental policy until we created it uh, some 60 plus years ago in the U.S. Uh, It's now become a large part of the insurance marketplace with most of the major life insurance and some of the health insurance brands offering similar type products, but we pioneered it. And to this day, we are still the largest in most categories of supplemental insurance and have about 380,000 commercial clients uh, in the US. We sell specifically to businesses to offer these products to their employees as part of a benefit package. In Japan, we started about 45, uh, 47 years ago, I guess now in Japan and created what's known in Japan as the third sector insurance marketplace. First sector is traditional life insurance and annuities. Second sector is property casualty. Third sector, which didn't exist until AFLAC went there in the 70s, is supplemental insurance company. Only in this case, in Japan, we supplement uh, the national healthcare system in Japan. And so I think a pioneering because very few insurance companies can actually lay claim to having developed a fundamental marketplace, let alone in the two largest
0: insurance markets on the globe. So let's let's start talking now about about ESG, but uh, which you are res- responsible for from a um, a governance perspective at AFLAC. But the first part of that I want to talk about is ethics. So AFLAC has won I don't know if it's unprecedented, but s- something like 15 years in a row of most ethical companies in the world. Talk about what ethics means to you and where that fits in to the ESG model
1: actually 16 years as of this year. Uh, not that we count, uh, but we do count. Uh, and and so you're right, Robert, we have a, we have a very uh, strong track record around ethics. And I think um, for Aflac, it emanates out of the culture and the building of the company that started as a family owned company, three brothers that started the company that later then of course went public. And uh, the company, has extremely strong culture, I think in part because we've built the company uh, over these many years, one policy at a time, not through mergers and acquisitions, which can at times dilute some of the cultural aspects of the company. And fundamental to that culture has always been doing the right thing. Uh, Sometimes we refer to it as standing in the gap, meaning where you see gaps in what society is struggling with, what our customers are struggling with. Uh, we try to stand in there and close that either through commercial means like our products or by just simply doing the right thing with the profits we generate. Um, and that culture of strong ethics um, and is something that um, we, don't, we don't have it pasted on the backdrop of everybody's computer. We don't necessarily have it framed up on the wall in everybody's office. It's something that everybody understands and lives by. Uh, at the company. Um, And again, it grew out of that heritage. Uh, As you know, Dan Amos is our chief executive officer. He's been that for over 30 years now. And he has maintained that same cultural aspect that he grew up learning from his uncles and and father who began the company. So it's just a strong underpinning to our culture uh, that guides our decision making
0: uh, every day. And you have been extremely passionate about everything involved with gender equity. And talk about what's right and what's wrong with how the world is looking at that.
1: To me, uh, the, the part of diversity that needs to be paid more attention to is not only is it the right thing to do, but it's in the commercial best interest of building a strong company, Um, there is no way that you'll be able to uh, benefit from diversity of ideas of innovation, there's no way you'll be able to design product and service around the customer lens, unless you have a diverse set of leaders and a diverse set of employees, you just won't get there. Um, I think when you go to Silicon Valley, for example, and you go to venture conferences, whether it's there or Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, you'll notice the first time you go to these events that there is a very diverse population of individuals that are leading various startups and have ideas and seed capital requests and so forth. And when you look at that, you realize uh, how important diversity is uh, not only of race and gender, but age and thought and experience. And so, to me, it's not a matter of hitting certain, hitting certain numbers uh, or meeting certain thresholds that allow you to rank at a certain level among your peers. Those can be important. Of course, we want to be a leader in that category. Really, it's about running a better company, a company that's going to be more sustainable over the long run, going to perform better, going to attract and retain the best talent and most of all has an easy understanding of what the customer is interested in because your customer base is diverse. We have 13 million policyholders in in the US. So by definition, we have a very diverse population of customers in the US. We've got 26 million policyholders in Japan. We better be diverse if we expect to even remotely understand our customer needs.
0: And how does that tie into a company's purpose of creating value?
1: One thing I would tell you is that, again, it's very important when looking at diversity and inclusion or looking at uh, sustainability and climate-related issues or net zero emissions, the two major fundamentals of ESG, my view is that it's incredibly important for you as a company to not simply just do the right thing because it's being expected of you by governance bodies, or now more recently, regulators and legislatures. But it is and can be tied expressly to the value creation of the business. So, for example, on diversity inclusion, I just mentioned to you how important it is to look through the customer lens. We have obviously a diverse population of employees working for the 380,000 companies that we manage. And so being able to focus in on how best to develop the Hispanic markets, the Asian markets, how best to address people of color and their needs and communities. Um, These are all uh, very important to divide uh, uh, developing the commercial interest of the company. Um, And, uh, and really being part of those communities. And so that adds value that distribution and customer focus. Um, On the climate side, uh, an example I would give you is, you know, our industry invests our capital for the long term because we have long-term liabilities, meaning our policyholder claims are on our books for a very long period of time. We invest those premiums over a very long period of time. Well, it stands to reason that a very attractive place to invest our capital is in long-term securities, and that is ideal for funding sustainability efforts, renewable energy efforts, and frankly, community revitalization, uh, which falls into the opportunity zone or diversity, equity, and inclusion category. These are all long-term problems and challenges that need capital to fix or close those gaps. And we, as an industry, are the long-term capital providers to the capital markets. So we're, you can draw the linkage very quickly between what is the right thing to do in ESG and how it drives your commercial
0: uh, performance. This is Robert Greese on the CEO Show. We're speaking with Fred Crawford. We're about to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about something very special that Aflac is doing. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese on the CEO Show, where we interview the leaders who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're here today with Fred Crawford, the global president of AFLAC, which everyone knows. But here is something on a very serious note you're doing. AFLAC has been focused on childhood cancer, which could be one of the most important elements in the entire world. How does that fit into your ESG model and the value creation model?
1: Well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, I'll give you my, my perspective on ESG and, uh, and then what I would call um, corporate social responsibility, which many refer to as the first generation of what became ESG. One of the things that I think we have to be very careful about as a corporate community and, frankly, as a global corporate community is that ESG has gotten very focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as sustainability or climate change and carbon footprint and emissions. Those, of course, are enormously large challenges that require all of us to stand in the gap and work and help to close those gaps. So... There's no question how important that is. It's important to Aflac and it's important to the culture of our company. But what's often the case for most companies is that the real fabric of their efforts to support the community around them grew out of something very special and strategic to that company and often falls in what I would call the corporate social responsibility category, which is different. And for AFLAC, as you mentioned, it's been the fight against pediatric cancer uh, and supporting both the children and the families. In the U.S., we, of course, have the AFLAC Cancer Center and Blood Disorder uh, Center in Atlanta, uh, which not only serves children with cancer and their families, but also sickle cell, uh, which is a significant disease uh, and one that's prominent uh, in the US and, uh, and also in the greater Atlanta area in particular. And so we've been able to attract some of the, the nation's leading experts to that, uh, that cancer and blood disorder center. Um, over the years, we have donated approximately $160 million to that effort, uh, and it's one of the leading uh, pediatric cancer institutes uh, in the country. And as I mentioned, really the leading when it comes to sickle cell. Uh, So that's been a major effort of the company. Uh, In Japan, we have what's called Parents' House, which is essentially, think of it as the Ronald McDonald House of Japan. But it is focused on uh, supporting families whose children are going through cancer treatment. I think we've served about 145,000 people through those locations throughout the Tokyo and greater Tokyo area uh, fighting the uh, battle against cancer. So it's a global effort uh, for our company. Uh, and and also one that we innovate in. Um, And so you may be familiar with uh, My Special Aflac Duck, which is a robotic toy uh, that we partnered with a uh, technology uh, company, startup technology company, that developed these smart toys. And it is a robotic duck that uh, essentially children who are battling uh, cancer can have as a companion where uh, the technology is such that emojis can be attached to the chest of the duck, and the duck goes through different emotions that the children are going through. Uh, Also, uh, medical treatment, um, obviously very routine, superficial medical treatment can be applied to the duck, which allows the duck to kind of go through some of the same circumstances as the children. And it's an enormous tool uh, to calm down and comfort children, and frankly, even their family members as they're going through a difficult process. I think we're up to around 16,000 of these ducks that have been distributed, uh, both in the US uh, and in uh, Japan.
0: Okay, it's clear you've a deep-seated empathy. One other area that you have deep care for and are known for is your customer interaction. Talk about What Aflac is doing special and unique in the customer interaction and how that looks in the future. Also as digital has become very prevalent.
1: Well, you know, like many companies in our industry, and I wouldn't necessarily suggest that Aflac's special in this regard. However, we have been advancing all of the digital tools you would expect, whether it's an ability to buy our products online online. Uh, or service things like claims and routine customer service matters on your cell phone uh, when it's convenient uh, and where it's convenient uh, to take place. So we have digitized much of the customer experience, both in Japan and in the U.S. Um, I would say uh, one aspect that we focus on at Aflac is the speed and accuracy of claims. Now, the, the reason for that is, Again, when you are in the supplemental health insurance business, whether this be in Japan or in the US, you're typically talking about an individual or family member that has gone through some form of trauma, some form of hospitalization or accident. Uh, They may be on short-term disability. They may have been diagnosed with cancer. And so their financial needs are immediate. Uh, their out-of-pocket costs and reimbursement for out-of-pocket costs need to be immediate. And so we tend to pay cash in the pockets of our policyholders very quickly, uh, within often days, uh, if not just a few days or a day, uh, getting the money into the account. Unfortunately, about 50% of the working population in the U.S. lives paycheck to paycheck and has less than $1,000 saved in their savings accounts. And so... Uh, this kind of speed and accuracy of paying claims is an enormous value proposition if you intend to be a leader in the supplemental health
0: business. One final question. You've about a minute left. So you obviously have an extraordinary leader in in Dan Amos who's been there 30 years and I've spoken with numerous times, has a, a heart of gold, not just wisdom and his three laws, but what have you learned from Dan Amos as a leader.
1: Well, Dan, um, you know, what they say about Dan is that it took three brothers to uh, found and develop the early Aflac and all three had unique skill sets that melded together in a way that took a company from a small business to now a 40 billion market cap company in, in two of the largest insurance markets on the globe. But when Dan took over, what they said about him is Dan somehow managed to get the attributes of all three in one critical leader. And the more you work with Dan and the more you watch him at work, the more you realize that is a true statement. Uh, So he's uh, very sophisticated at uh, innovation, development, and, of course, branding. Uh, He was, of course, a part of launching the Duck, which is, I think, uh, approximately 20 years old uh, this past year. And uh, that changed the company's uh, marketing and branding. And that's often what he's known for. But what people that work around him every day know is that he's got a very acute understanding of risk. He's got a very acute understanding of financial performance and value creation. Uh, he's got a very good relationship and understanding with what investors need and look for. He has embraced ESG long before ESG was ever ever a, uh, an acronym. Um, I think I mentioned uh, to you in the past that We had a sustainability committee of the board uh, fully 12 years ago, and that was part of his vision, along with another board member, Betty Hudson, who was an executive at National Geographic, who were ahead of their times in developing a committee of the board to focus on essentially what today we would call ESG activities. So Dan's an innovator, uh, but he's also a very practical operator and, of course, a marketing genius.
0: And there you have it, Fred. What a pleasure it is having you on the CEO show.
1: It's been my pleasure. Nice to spend time with you, Robert, as always.